mindset. It's how we see life, people, events, and in some cases, it can even dictate how people see you. The High Frequency Mindset Podcast will help you raise your consciousness and see things in a new light and create new pathways to living better. Host Sally Wagner is a coach and entrepreneur, and she has some answers for you, as well as some soul-searching questions for her guests that will definitely raise your vibe. Here's Sally. Hi, everybody. It's Sally Wagner. Welcome to High Frequency Mindset Podcast. And today, I'm very pleased to welcome our guest, Annabelle Quintero. Annabelle, welcome. Thank you for having me, Sally. A pleasure. And I want to introduce you to the audience so that we can talk after that. How about that? Sounds great. Annabelle Quintero is a certified wellness coach, best-selling author, and DEI strategist for people who don't know that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her best-selling book, Step, Step, Jump, is a story of hope dedicated to helping others transform trauma to triumph. Annabelle's life was irrevocably altered on September 11, 2001, when she narrowly escaped from the 46th floor of the One World Trade Center during the deadliest terror attack on U.S. soil. As the founder of her personal development and collective wellness company, she is devoted to helping leaders to understand how storytelling can help serve your business by creating powerful executive presence. Her holistic approach provides tools for leadership teams and members to navigate diversity training with an open heart and mind. Annabelle is a lover of life and uses her wisdom to advocate, teach diversity, storytell, and connect to your wellness. Annabelle, again, welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So there is so much there and, and even things that I didn't share uh, that I encourage everyone check the show notes because everything will be there uh, and you're going to want to read more about Annabelle. So uh, that, that first thing that catches everybody is September 11, right? Oh, absolutely. My goodness. I had only been, so I was born and raised in Seattle and decided to take a bite of the big apple. So I moved out there and was able to pursue some dreams. I always had dreams of modeling, dreams of dancing. I, I break dance, was a B-girl, and found myself dancing with hip hop's finest, like Rock City Crew, New York City Breakers. And I landed this great job on Wall Street. I worked at a boutique hedge fund, which was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I had amazing uh, bosses and one day, you know, I, it was my job to get everything ready for the stock market. And just one day I just felt something just fall on my building. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, another building must have fallen. So I ran to the window and I looked out and it was a beautiful, crispy, sunny day and everything was fine. And then all of a sudden I could feel an earthquake and everything was rumbling so I was like, I ran, grabbed my, my sweater and my purse and I got to the door and then it stopped. And I was like, Oh dear God, thank you so much. You know, what should I do? And I looked under the desk thinking, okay, I should take cover and go under the desk. Cause there's an earthquake, but there were boxes. There was no space for me. And then I look into the office and it's all the sunshine had gone away and it was just this muted gray. 
And at that moment, Sally, I knew this is no place for the living. Mm -hmm. And so I, I ran in the hallway and the building started shaking again. And I was just getting thrown around like a rag doll in a fun house. Um, I finally get to the stairwell and I'm like, I couldn't tell if it was hot or cold, the doorknob, and I knew not to open it if it was hot. And finally I like slowed down. I was like, okay, Annabelle, just breathe. I breathed in and I breathed out. And then I listened to my brain synapses and like, okay, it's cold. So I opened the door and then no one was there. But now I was getting choked by this invisible stench it was burning my nose and my throat. And I was like, there's a fire. So with, I knew, okay, I got to get out of here. So I put my hand on the railing and I stepped with my left and I stepped to my right. And then I jumped on the landing and I step, step, jumped, step, step, jumped down 46 flights on September 11th. And I was met with hysterical people. Unfortunately, this one lady was burned. And then also just seeing our beloved firefighters ascend their stairway to heaven. Um, and I talk about that in my book and the whole process of, I got a cab, I, I was in a cab all day long. Um, and really that healing process of what do those four letter words mean? PTSD, you know, how am I going to make sense of not being able to go back to my workplace and everything that made me feel like I had my destiny in my hands, just really feeling that this life altering moment just happened and just pulled the rug out from under me um, and not being able to have the prestige to say, oh, I work around Wall Street or just all the things that gave me meaning in life was just gone. Yeah. And we have a lot of those moments as you described it, where the meaning in life is gone. Um, in the bio that I just read, you talk about moving from tragedy to triumph, and that's kind of what that movement is, right? When the meaning is gone, how how did you rediscover the meaning? Yeah, I well, I did the normal steps, right? Like I got a mental therapist and tried to get help that way, um, but I knew I wasn't getting better, mm-hmm. and. I was just crying a lot. I mean, I would just react when I'd hear those jets fly over the city. It was just, I'd I'd have run out of my apartment thinking that we were going to get attacked again. And so the trigger, I was just triggered and I was like, okay, this is why am I triggered? Like, and so me being honest with myself, and that's really the first step, us acknowledging that we have a trigger, that we have a trauma because it was a few months there where I was just in this really dark space and couldn't really do anything. Uh, I was just incapacitated. And so being honest with ourselves is really the first step. And then I was like, okay, I had meditated for a few years, but I was like, I'm going to go back to my trees and mountains. I'm going to go back to Seattle because that's where I was born and raised. My family was still there. And I decided to do a 10-day Vipassana retreat. And there I learned, okay, I'm not praying to Buddha because I grew up Christian. And I was like, okay, you know, there was a lot of conflict within myself for that. And then I realized, oh, no, it's just a modality. We're learning. And then that 
I learned the three pillars of human behavior, you know, our dynamic between the thoughts in our mind, the emotions that come up when we're playing different stories or conversations in our mind, and then the bodily sensations. And yeah, and those three things, that dynamic creates our human behavior. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. (laughs) I had no, and that just really helped me understand. Um, It just really helped me understand myself. And I realized I can observe myself and that can be an action. I can see all of this, this like, turmoil come up and all this fire come up within me. Right. Um, and then I can just feel it, let it burn inside and just watch it. And that can be a response. I don't actually have to call someone. I don't have to send an email out and that just liberated me. I think that cycle that you identified is so important, you know, and sometimes people call it, a. Uh, Pitafar, <laughs> which is a bad acronym, I guess, but, you know, uh, programming, we start with programming, uh, and then that can determine our thoughts, which then determine our feelings, which determine our actions, which determine our results, which then reinforce that programming. And so it sounds like what you're talking about is interrupting that cycle so that you're not continuously triggered by things. Oh, yeah. And that was a huge part because it's it's a daily practice, right? It's not something that, okay, you know it, you're done. No, you have to practice self-reflection, self-awareness. And I had to do that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So that really allowed me to ground myself. And it's almost like a muscle because then you're able to start seeing, okay, all of this is coming up within me. Okay. How do I want to respond? And and the more you do that, um, the more space you're creating Yeah, where you can choose your response with intention and not just react. Absolutely. And that's so important. So uh, amazing insights and uh, amazing healing that you allowed yourself in that situation. Yeah. I mean, the... The practicing really helped, but the third, the third step is really like the jump. It's for me, it was like, okay, Annabelle, what are you going to do? That's new. What are you, what's the new action you're going to take? Because in that, yes, you're observing yourself, right? But like I said, you have more space and you can choose your response. And that's when I realized my life is not going to change unless I do something new. Yes, I already know what I've been doing, which is fine. But now, how am I going to grow? How am I going to grow my career? How am I going to grow spiritually and in my relationships and and doing taking those risks, right? And (laughs) is a really huge part of that. And for me, it's I mean, I think it was almost 18 years, almost 20 years that I didn't tell anyone I was a September 11th survivor. Mm-hmm. So me sharing my story was also a huge part of my healing process. Like, mm-hmm. even though I had been tending to all this work throughout the years, there was something about sharing my story, knowing that it could serve others 
and give them permission to also share something very vulnerable about themselves. Mm -hmm. And I realized, wow, this also really helps people connect. It helps people understand, um, you know, it just really helps people understand you more as a person so that whether you're a business owner or a coach, just people can relate to you so much more. And it's really becomes your brand promise. Absolutely. And I think it, as you were describing all of that, what came to my mind is you shared from a place of healing. Um, there are so many people who are out there like the albatross, you know, they they can't not tell their story of whatever it is. Right. And yet they're sharing from a a sense of victimhood and not healing. And when you do that, it's what are you sharing? You're sharing pain, right? And yet when you share from the place of healing as you do, you're sharing hope. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, because I think we all have, I think sometimes we tend to have a misconception that we have to wait till we're healed Mm-hmm. to do whatever work we want to do. Right. And that holds us back, right? It, there's this, it's he, the healing process is not linear. <laughs> and, but we sometimes tend to think it is. And then we think, oh, I can't do this yet because I'm not ready or, and, and so having a new way of looking at healing that it's always evolving. Yes. We will always have levels to it. Sometimes we plateau, right? It's just natural, but there's, it's always evolving. And the moment we look at healing as cyclical, we also realize that sometimes in life, things will return and remind us, right? And then we have to like relearn what, or practice what we learned so many years ago and, and continue on that. And, and it really, um, it just also allows us to stay in self reflection and self awareness. And to keep taking those risks, right? Like, especially as a leader, you know, so many people right now are talking about culture and they really want people to feel connected. Well, how do people feel connected to you if you're not going to share what you're going through? Like there's a level of vulnerability and, and that people want to know that they know you. And so it's, I always share that with, with, um, some of the people that I work with that, okay, this is a really powerful story. Like tell your team, <laughs> tell your team what's going on with you. It's, it's okay. You can be a student of life and be a leader at the same time. Exactly. I think it goes back to the trust triangle that Francis Fry talks about, you know, it's authenticity, it's empathy, it's communication and when we share those stories about ourselves, that's being authentic. Uh, and then that opens up the door to empathy uh, both ways, right? People will empathize and then we allow ourselves to empathize with them. And it's a valuable way to communicate with people. Mm, I love that. Wow. I, I always, I love threes. Threes yeah. are very powerful for me. So I love that. <laughs> she has a, a whole triad going on there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it um, also just helps people to when, when you storytell, they listen. Well, first they, they get mesmerized by your story, right? Yes. 
But then also they really listen to understand. Yeah. And it's not so much of just listening to respond. Exactly. And, And that really helps the relationship, right? And especially among teams, because then people are like, oh, okay, now I can understand where they're coming from, or I can understand why their personality is a certain way, because this thing in their life has impacted them. And so it makes sense. And so, yes, people are more compassionate, they have more empathy, and, and they can trust you because you're really sharing from your heart. And I think stories are so important to us just fundamentally as people, you know, you think about children, they love stories, right? You know, my grandchildren, oh, tell us stories about dad, you know, when he was a little boy. And, uh, you know, I, when my mother passed a few years ago, I, I realized there was so much I didn't know about her. And so I started writing family stories, you know, things that I recalled. uh, I love that. And So you mentioned it earlier, how it becomes our personal branding. How would, how would you advise somebody? What's one technique you could share to help people connect with their own stories and then share it in an effective and authentic way? Yeah. Um, Well, in terms of a technique or, or yeah, definitely what I've seen, um, especially in presentations, right? When, when you're getting ready to share your content, right? You're going to be at a conference and you're getting all your slides ready to really look at it and say, okay, um, I have all this great information. What is, what is something that, what's a story that I can integrate in, in between the, the content, right? And that's really important because I feel that so many times we're just out. It's all output. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) And the story allows people to connect with you. And it's a moment for them like, oh, okay. So they could uh, do that either in the beginning or in between the slides, but definitely to include. And it could be not more like a couple minutes. You don't want to go too long, right? Right. Most presentations, you have 15, 20 minutes, so you can't take that long. But a short three-minute story, I think, really helps people to get to know you and share a moment where you not the leader that you were, Mm -hmm. right? And how that moment impacted you to do the work or just is, is something about you, right? It could be related to your work or it could just be something where people get to see who you were before you became the leader that you are now in, in front on yes. the stage or in the conference. And I think that just is just so invaluable to the audience connecting with the speaker and then also with your message. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It, it helps us remember because we remember the story, right? And we remember the points that were illustrated with the story and uh, like, you know, how you were relating your story of your experience. And it it was such a vivid image for us. You know, you were tossed around like a rag doll in a fun house. I mean, who could forget that? Right. And, and I think when people use those kinds of techniques that you just described, they're going to be memorable. Yeah. And that, and 
I remember being on Lisa Nichols stage in the fall of 2019 and my iteration was step, step, jump. Yeah. And that's the name of my book. Right. Well, people remembered step, step, jump. They didn't remember me, my yeah. name. or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'll be surprised where there, and, and it was this terrible moment. I'm like running for my life. Right. But it was also so powerful in the storytelling that that's what people remembered. And yeah. that's what became my brand. Right. So people know step, step, jump. Oh, that's Annabelle. That she's a September 11th survivor, or she's the one who, you know, helps people transform trauma to triumph. Right. And it's short and brief. And, and so whatever that is, however, people can also use an iteration in their own storytelling that also helps. So people remember that and, and your message. Right. And so then they can listen more to your content as you go on and and share. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that iteration then can become an anchor in their minds that kind of a shorthand thing, uh, I I call it mind apps, that then triggers the whole cascade of, and she's this and this and this, you know. I Um, love that mind app because that's true. Because for me, it's step one, acknowledging your triggers and traumas. Step two is practicing self-awareness and then jump. The jump is taking new action. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty much the framework of how, (laughs) how I work within myself, but then also how I help others in my coaching practice as well. Absolutely. So I'd uh, like to touch on a a couple of other things before I get to the, the last couple of questions. Um, you talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how does that tie into the storytelling? Absolutely. Well, that's a great question. I get that question a lot. So on the 11th, when I was in the cab, um, I really fell apart when I realized that one of the towers had had fallen. And I felt so conquered. Um, and it was just this grief and this pain. And I remember um, being in history class and remember reading how it felt for my Native American ancestors to have their cultures and civilization destroyed or my African ancestors as well. And so that for me, I realized, oh my goodness, this is how it must be when this powerful symbolic location, whether it's a temple, whether it's a building is gone. Mm -hmm. And that really made me realize, wow. um, Even though we think so many of these things are historical and completely in the past, Mm -hmm. I realized like I needed to heal and was on this journey, but also to heal what's been carried on intergenerationally. And so in the diversity training that I do, it's mostly situated on Latino identity because we're a multiracial ethnic group. And a lot of people don't know that, right? Like they don't know about our, you know, how we came to be. How did we even be called the people that are called Latinos? What what, colonization? uh, What is that? What is what happened in the African diaspora, you know, what happened with always having 
for a forever threat, right? Having a global threat all the time. And so I just kind of separate um, in my diversity training. I always tell people I'm not the vocabulary person. <laughs> I'm not the DEI checklist. I focus on colonization and I focus on what happened in the Western hemisphere and, and take a global perspective of that just so that we can understand how did we get here in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is is traumatic, right? And and even if you're, because I'm part European, and even like the shame and the guilt that I felt for what my you know Italian and Spanish ancestors had done, and working through that, like there's a lot of emotional work that comes up with diversity training. And that is something that is left out of the conversation that these are our emotions. These are our histories. These are our stories. And there's a lot that comes up and we need safe spaces for that Mm -hmm. and real conversations about what's happening to us when we're confronted with new history and like things that we can't believe because we were never taught it through K through 12 schooling. So I definitely connect that because I think it's a shared trauma that we all have, mm-hmm. but it's, it's almost subconscious. It's not something that we really talk about, but it's there. <laughs> it's like underneath everything, you know, we get caught up with the, I don't know, well, the, all the division and the arguing, but, but there's a lot of healing that can happen when we go deeper. And so that's, I take a different approach on the diversity training and uh, because I felt it on the 11th. And so that's how it's all connected mm-hmm. for me. Fabulous. I I have a similar approach. I teach fair housing. I work with a lot of real estate agents and I developed a three-part course. And part three is having those conversations, having that and creating that safe space and uh, using techniques like neuro-linguistic programming and other things to create and facilitate. So definitely needed and definitely a valuable contribution that you're bringing to people. Thank you. Yeah. And that's great in real estate because with redlining, right, uh, that that yeah. really impacted our, our country a lot and right. generational wealth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great that you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> A couple more questions. Okay. So in my coaching, and and this may sound familiar when I describe it, in my coaching, I use an acronym, MSG, and that stands for mindset, skill set, get off your asset, because it it encapsulates a really lot of very important (laughs) concepts, right? And I think some of those are similar to your step-step jump. Um, So as you look at your amazing journey, and your calling, how you're helping and serving people now. What is an overarching principle you would identify that you believe contributes to your success? Uh, hmm, that's a great question. I learn through living. So whenever I'm, one of the things that I've seen that has worked for me is my ability to have this adventurous spirit And when there's an opportunity, even if I'm afraid, it's like, okay, I've never done it. And I don't want to have regrets. (laughs) So I might as well go do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even for the experience, because I just, there's so much you learn through 
living. And it's not book knowledge. It's not something you read. It's something you know. And then you have that wisdom. And I've seen that even in my practice, how I can relate to so many different people because I have lived and and have experienced so many different uh you know industries and jobs and positions and um and it just gives you this wealth of wisdom in a way that others they may study it and they may read about it but it's not the same yeah yeah it's the doing part right yes yeah <laughs> absolutely one last question how can people get in touch with you Oh, yes. I would love if they feel called to go to AnnabelleQuintero.com or actually StepStepJump.com, which might be easier (laughs) on the spelling. Yes, yes, they can go to StepStepJump.com and I'd be happy to speak at their organization or work with them if they're interested in storytelling. It'd be wonderful to get their stories out to the world. Absolutely. Everybody, uh, if you didn't write that down, make sure you go to the show notes because all of that information will be there. Uh, You absolutely want to connect with Annabelle. You absolutely want to get that book. Uh, I I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited about it. And and, uh, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Sally. It's such a pleasure to be here. I hope you all have a great day. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Make sure you tune in next time for High Frequency Mindset Podcast.